Welcome to the Chefs Tell Stories podcast, where chefs do exactly that. They tell their story. I'm Jerry Watterson. And I'm Grace Stoichik, and we're your hosts. Hey guys, we're back. We're back. We're here on the Chefs Tell Stories podcast. I'm really excited this week because we have, I love sugar. I uh, love sweets. It's just absolute sweet tooth. For me, it can never be too sweet or just about never be too sweet. So we have a uh, sweets lover with us today and one of my favorite pastry chefs, um, Chef Nils Roland of Creme de la Coco in St. Augustine. Mm. How are y'all doing today? We're doing great. We're yeah. Doing great. I mean, okay, considering. Yeah. Good. Well, we got a big yeah, bag of sweets. Cool. Yeah. Thing. yeah, Nils brought us sweets. Yes. That's uh, a... We appreciate that. This is, act, believe it or not, we've had three chefs come see us before you, and not one of them has brought us sweets or food well, in general, which is rare. <laughs> Rebecca, oh, did did we get sweets from them? No, no, none, I'm right? calling no them food. out. Oh, Wes, okay. Rebecca, I thought maybe I missed Dennis. something. I thought maybe you hoarded the food that we got. <laughs> no, we got no, we got no food yet from a chef. Anyway, thanks for joining. Yeah, we're excited to have I'm you. Glad to be here. So, tell us. Oh, about what you do. Tell us about Creme de la Coco. How'd you get started? What's it all about? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we'll start from the beginning a little bit. Uh, to be honest, pastry was a total accident for me. Uh, this was not sort of part of the plan. Uh, this was never a goal at the end of the day. Um, I'd gone to hospitality management school. My wife went to hospitality management school, and she had a year left because she was doing a marketing thing. Um, and I was managing some restaurants. I was uh, one of the youngest managers in that company's history. Um, and it really wasn't for me. So, um, I talked, I was talking to my mom. She's like, well, you always like cooking and things like that. Cause sort of how I got into it was when I was 13, uh, I made a deal with my parents that if they bought me a grill, I would cook dinner every night. Right. So they would just have to give me whatever I wanted to cook. And that's sort of how I got into it. Um, and so did you actually cook dinner every night? I did. I wow. did. Uh, lots so of, for you parents out there. <laughs> yeah, lots and lots of lots of grilled stuff, lots of all that jazz. Um, you know, just I really got into sort of grilling and fire and all that fun stuff, you know, and uh, sort of went from there. But when I was when I was waiting for my wife to graduate, I had about a year and my mom was like, well, you always liked, you know, the cooking side of it or whatever, because I, you know, my family's very science based family, neuroscience, psychology, all that. So that was the field I was sort of in beforehand. And um, there was a pastry school, and I went. She said I should check it out. Uh, international student couldn't make it, and um, they had this banana truffle on the desk next to all these chocolate showpieces and everything. And I tried the banana truffle, and I was just like, I can do this. This is this is delicious. Makes me happy. Um, up Jerry's alley. Yeah, yeah definitely. Banana. Up my alley. Yeah. I love banana. Yeah, the banana like curry. banana flavor yeah, more than flavor. actual banana too. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, and. Uh, so basically, I went to the pastry school because international student couldn't make it. Uh, I won all of the inner student competitions and everything, and they were just like, man, you're like really good at this. And I was like, sweet. It's art, science, and it makes people happy. And Ultimately, I think I could have done anything that made people happy, but this is, I get a chance to do it on, you know, a big stage on one of their big days, weddings, you know, celebrations. Everything we do is always around celebrations or happy times for people, so... Um, we're around a lot of happy people all the time, so it, it's really fun. No cakes at the funeral? Uh, not no normally. I mean, maybe. It just depends. <laughs> if they I call you, you make it happen? Well, they, nobody ever tells me that I'd side like of it if that's what's funeral. happening. There you go. Yeah, um, that, when I die, I want sugar I everywhere. I want a sugar no, sweet bar. We'll just, what we'll do is we'll take a coffin and we'll have it explode into a giant dessert that's party. Perfect. A chocolate coffin? 
chocolate coffee. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I go. I'd be a white chocolate uh, chocolate person. <laughs> nah, I'm not a big chocolate. fan of the dark. That's a dark chocolate. <laughs> How'd you come up with the name Creme de la Coco? Uh, actually, me and my wife, it took a, it took a little bit of time to come up with it. We were trying to find something that, you know, that obviously a hadn't been taken or trademarked or anything like sure, that, which is hard. which is harder than you would think. Uh, B finding a domain that still matched up, um, and then. You know, it, it. I think everybody can read the name and understand what it's going to be. It, it feels high end. It sort of sounds. You know, it's very French sounding and in European style. Sounds very and, refined. Yeah, and so you know, sort of the reason we did this is a lot of our desserts that we do is, is there's a lot of technique and European style in them because I learned from you know some guys from Switzerland and France and you know all these really big name European chefs and so I take a European style approach and I just add you know local flavors or what people. Um, in our area tend to like or what more suits, you know, the United States, you know, flavor profiles and things like that. And uh, we just put a put a nice spin on it. You know, we can do all the super fancy stuff, too. But we uh, we find that people really like, you know, comforting flavors done in a way they just haven't seen or can't get other places. So what's what's the most popular thing in the sweet shop? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, if you were if you were going to talk about probably the most popular item we do, uh, it's probably one of the most simple. But the oatmeal cream pies, we sell so many oatmeal cream pies. I never thought in my entire life that oatmeal cream pies would be you know sort of one of the staples. But if you're talking other, yeah, but that, this is the perfect. Oh yeah, cream I'm like pie. describe your oatmeal cream pie because I'm sure it's there's something special about it. Well, so basically, it's everybody knows you know the classic. Little Debbie, you know, oatmeal cream pies um, come out the package super soft. So it's modeled after that. Um, you know, for me, it's there's there's one thing, there's two things in the shop that I get really up on people about. And it's it's two types of cookies. So it's the way the oatmeal cream pies are baked and the way the chocolate chip cookies are baked. You know, everything else, everybody's got a pretty good handle on. But there's like a 10-second window for those cookies that when they're in that window, they're perfect. And if they're over, they're a little bit too crispy on the edges. Um, but... You know, the oatmeal cream pie is, you know, it's a it's a pretty standard um, oatmeal cookie recipe. Uh, we just sort of modified it and we cream it less so there's not as much air. So it's a little more of like a lacy, like gooey cookie as opposed mm. to like sort of like a chewy cookie. Yeah. Um, and then the filling is we have a couple of variations of it. But the main one we do is it's an Italian buttercream and marshmallow fluff 50-50. We do a, uh, a brown butter buttercream marshmallow fluff one, and then we also do a bourbon oatmeal cream pie, which is with the distillery bourbon from St. Augustine, because we make their bourbon balls, so we put bourbon ball filling in it. And then my favorite one we did recently for a cookie competition was, but it was an apple, like an apple pie oatmeal cream pie, where we cut the center out, mm-hmm. and we like filled it up and then put streusel on top, so it was like a cookie pie. It's kind of... It's pretty good. So, are there oatmeal cream pies in the goodie bag you brought us? There are actually. <laughs> yes, that's uh, what I'm talking there's, about. There's five oatmeal cream pies. Like, I think there's a chocolate Ooh. chip cookie sandwich. I think there's some other stuff in there too. I can't remember. Flourless chocolate. It's a really popular one too. There's- the oatmeal cream pie. What I really like about yours is it still has some texture, and it's not absolutely. It's not gummy. The the little Debbie. The mistake in the little Debbie is it's too gummy. Don't talk about little Debbie like that. Listen, <laughs> listen Big Deborah is fine by me, but you know, the uh, just the oatmeal cream pie. While it is delicious and and wonderful, uh, it's not perfection, and, yeah. and really yours is. And I don't say that just because you're sitting here. Yeah. Well, we appreciate that. You know, it's just like I said, it's it's the small things. Like like I said, is everybody at the shop jokes, but it's I have these cookie 
cookie cookie talks, you know. <laughs> so if somebody overbakes the cookie, then they're just like, oh, it's like the cookie incident of 2017. Or how often you, do you guys burn some a batch of cookies? Not that yeah. often, um, but if they are over, I won't use them. So you know, and then again, it's it it can be a 10 second window or it can be that when you put them to cool that you put them between two hot cookie trays so yeah. they just went a little bit further so it's it's it, like I feel it's like a, you're the cookie tyrant I can be Have not, you ever yelled at somebody over a cookie? Uh, I don't necessarily I wouldn't say I yell I don't yell that often <laughs> it's very rare that I yell I, I don't just that's talk loudly Yeah or <laughs> I think what they would say is that I tend to reiterate it over and over and over like 30 times in a row, instead of yelling, I'm just like, hey, so this is why this, this is why, and then I got it, you know, I was like, 15 times in a row. And this is what I do instead of yelling Very too. passive-aggressive. Yeah. Well, like, not, not passive-aggressive. No, because he's telling it to you. If it was passive-aggressive, yeah, he'd he just be like, he'd be saying it to somebody else. But everybody does a really good job, so it's rare when it happens, but if that does happen, we'll grind them up and put them into a crust for a cheesecake or something, so it's mm -hmm. sort of like a, or make an oatmeal cream pie cheesecake or whatever it That's may awesome, be. so you don't have a bunch of food waste. Yeah, we try not to have a lot of waste, so that's like one of the things we really focus on, because um, there's no point. You know, if you can repurpose it, I think I think one of the things about being a pastry chef that people don't really understand is, um, ultimately, if it's not right going in the oven, it's wrong coming out. And a lot of being a pastry chef is figuring out how to repurpose or fix mistakes. They're going to happen, but it's not like you know, like a piece of beef where you can add some more salt or put it on the grill again. Like that doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Sure. So it's finding, you know, when you do make mistakes, it's figuring out how to repurpose it into something that will be better than it would have been so but making something new totally new who knows it's whatever that's cool how about give me you guys do tons of weddings in fact you did my cousin's wedding this stuff was awesome what uh give me the wedding horror story because we've all seen bridezilla give me like what the one wedding horror story when did story. the cake fall over yeah uh <laughs> we have never had a cake fall over knock on wood for that one uh it's not it's not if it will be when but i take very uh when i build my cakes i make sure that they won't fall over they're built very structurally sound probably a lot of people would say that i overkill it um but i would rather overkill the structure than have but a, you have had a horror story at a wedding. Um, not, honestly, nothing that's too crazy. So a lot of times with, you know, you refer to the bridezillas and stuff like that, it, it might be one in a hundred. Maybe. Sure, I don't expect it to be a lot. Right, well, so what we... It probably happens after you drop all the desserts off. Well, what we find is, is a lot of times it's not necessarily, you know, it's normally like a team effort to get somebody to that point where they're very, like, having a bad time. So it's like either, you know, somebody in the family is pushing them from the backside or there's conflicting you know, wants from the people getting married and, you know, the parents. And it's when there's too many people trying to make decisions is when you get those wrong things. Um, but as far as, like, horror stories for actual weddings, there really hasn't been a ton. Uh, some of the bad stuff comes when, you know, ultimately I think it's an educational thing that, you know, you can't put a cake outside in the middle of summer when it's 95 degrees outside. Um, that's just not going to work. You know, butter melts. We use all butter so it's a buttercream but haven't really had any problems with that i'd say the worst issues we've ever had was um you know and it it, it it comes to you know straight edge cakes and smooth cakes are the hardest ones to fix but you know i've gotten a call 20 minutes after i left saying somebody stuck their finger in the cake well you got to go back and fix the cake you know you can't leave it that way um and you get there and everybody's like it wasn't me 
and the cake's sitting in there, and there's three people near it, you know, and there was only three people in the room. What? And, you know, so we fix it, and you do the best you can, but sometimes you can't fix it perfectly because it's not all in one smooth go. You know, it's, it's once it's all done the first time, when you go back to fix things, there's small imperfections. Sure. Um, you know. So do you roll around with a with a container of frosting? Actually, we do. We have our cake delivery kits. Uh, they, you know, the bag includes kit. buttercream, rags, gloves, spatulas, scissors. Do you scissors. teach them how to properly cut wedding cakes? Because I was, I've always heard that there's like a science. There, there is. It depends on how you want to do it. You know, yeah. it depends on the size of cake. So a lot of times, people's wedding cake sizes, like when they say a piece of wedding cake. They're talking very small. Uh, when I say a piece of wedding cake, I mean like an actual piece of cake. Um, so when we like do our wedding counts, say the cake does 85 people, you're going to get 85 good sized pieces out of it. Now, caterers and people that cut cake will start cutting very small in the beginning to make sure they have enough. And that's why a lot of times there's a lot of wedding cake left is because they're really trying to make sure everybody gets right. some. But by doing that, you're sort of, you know people eat multiple pieces of cake, yeah. which is totally fine, too, you know? And Have a lot... you ever made a really weird wedding cake, like a black cake, or... We've done we've done black cakes. They actually come out really nice. Uh, really? They, I think they really, like, their eye pop, and they're very sharp. What's the weirdest, like, themed cake you've made? Uh, well, we did, like, a giant Dungeons and Dragons, like, sort of Warcraft battle scene <laughs> wedding cake. That's awesome. You know, we made, like, a giant, like, cake castle, and there was a huge... You know all the hills and like ruins, and then we poured like a sugar river going through it with the that bridge. That's super and cool. The bride actually painted uh, like 150 miniatures, and we used those to wow. set up the battle scene. Uh, she even made like one of everybody in the shop for us to keep, which was kind of cool. Um, but for that one, you know, I came up with the idea is like soak the cake in raspberry puree before you ice it, so when you cut it, it looks like it's like blood soaked, which yes. was kind of cool. Uh, so, cool. so that one was fun. Uh, probably one of my all-time favorite, though, was uh, we made this giant peacock cake. So it was like uh, a normal cake with like a sugar peacock and all the feathers flowing down it. Well, their last name was Peacock. So it sort of, it sort of lined up really good. But that one took a lot of time. Uh, my wife, Bailey, helped with sort of designing and painting the flowers, or the feathers, sorry. And, um, man, it turned out really good. It just took a lot of time, but it was a really nice cake. That sounds cool. What does a cake like that cost someone? Uh, it, it really depends. Um, it depends on how much you like them. And not really. <laughs> it's more of like the size of the cake. So yeah. if basically all of our wedding cakes, you know, we start at a base price and the only thing that ever makes it go up is labor. It's not, sure. um, you know, it's not the flavors. You can have all the different flavors you want. That doesn't cost extra. Um, you can come up with your own flavors, but it, it's labor. So if it takes me an extra five or six hours to make the stuff for the cake, then you know, obviously goes up some, but I'd say rough, rough guess, depending on how custom it is. I mean, they typically range between, you know, 300 and a thousand. We very rarely have a cake that's, that's over a thousand. Although I would say... Like, what's the most expensive cake you've made? Uh, the most expensive cake we're going to end up making is probably around five, five grand. Wow. But Whew. you're talking, you're talking hundreds of hours of sugar flour making. So we're talking. There's going to be at least a hundred hours. Wow. You know. So how many people does that cake feed? Uh, it'll end up feeding probably about a hundred and fifty. So what's the what's the cake? What are we making? Uh, is well. So I I don't, I don't have the folder with me, but basically it's um it's a four tier cake. It'll have separators in between it, but all of the separators are covered in sugar flour. So it looks like one of those really like royal style weddings that's taller than you but it's it. it's just the amount of sugar flowers it says dang sure. flowers it is it is sugar flowers take a lot of time to make look good yeah so it's it's just it's a time thing at that point 
I'm going to make you think a little bit. If you could be remembered for one dessert, it can be a cake, a chocolate, whatever, what what would it be? Oh. If you were going to be remembered for one thing, what would it be? You know, I don't necessarily know if it would be like a specific dessert. If I had to pick one, um, I mean, shoot. The Florida Native is really good dessert. Like, you know, it's Key Lime Orange Strawberry. It's awesome. The Southern Bell's right up there, too, but that's pecan pie with vanilla bean mousse. There's a few desserts it would be, but it's not so much a dessert. Is I would want to be remembered for making people, you know, really happy with their, you know, it, happy in those moments of time. Like, I want people to remember that we helped the event. Who wants to remember the cake at their wedding? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, so I guess at this point it would probably be like, you know, a wedding cake, you know, is, is the truth of the matter with weddings is it's the last thing everybody eats. It needs to be the best thing everybody eats. That's what everybody remembers. I mean, the caterer, especially can do, guests, guests yeah, will talk about a wedding course, cake for The caterer could do an awesome job, but if the cake is eh, it, it, everything sort of goes down at the end. You know, if the caterer does an okay job, but the desserts are awesome, everybody forgets the catering and they're just like desserts, you know? So when you ask people how the wedding was, the first thing they almost always talk about was how was the cake? That's true. You know, so, so it's just, I think ultimately any sort of dessert or anything we make, if it made somebody happy, that's sort of how I would want to be remembered as. Is you know, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you're good, you're good. Yeah, I, He's saying all this and I'm like, you know, I'm not sure I remember what we See? ate at the wedding. Because your like, wedding cake I, wasn't good. I think good. I had chicken, and I remember a the mashed chicken? potatoes were particularly delicious. <laughs> yeah, the whole bird. No, uh, you know, had a little chi- had some chicken that tasted really good, and mashed potatoes with the cake. No, see, and the rest of it can't remember. I helped my mom make a wedding cake one time when I was in high school, I think, and yeah, never again. The fond, <laughs> it's the fondant <laughs> for me, like the rolling of the fondant and the. Mm-mm. Actually, the best part but I love was baking. sampling everything at the wedding. Oh, when you get to go have the tasting, and they make like everything. It's just magical. Well, you you know you're you're being catered to at that point. It's very much specifically for. Yeah, they're trying to get you to. I'm go definitely going to be so that bride. You to death <laughs> We're gonna need to go to ten yeah, cake places. I need to sample yeah, everything. That's, <laughs> that's something that happens, unfortunately. I think as soon as people say weddings they'll start to up the prices on things. Yeah. Um, I disagree with that a lot. You know, I think everything should be the price of what it is. Like, when we price things in the shop, they're priced for what they are. You know, the prices don't go up for weddings. If you order over bulk stuff, there's discounts after a certain point. But everything's priced as is. You know, sure. it's, so you know what it is. It's not going to come back higher. It's just that's what it is. Um, and I think that's really important when it comes to stuff like that because I do think there is a, a there was a, stigma or you know or things like that where people would do that i think it's less likely to happen nowadays but i I do think it still happens sometimes that's why it's good to get a quote from both people you know ultimately what i tell people is you know at the end of it is is um you know i'm a really competitive person so i like i tell them it's the last thing everybody's eat it's gonna be the best thing everybody eats and when i say that i mean it yeah um because that's my name that's how i go about it i want to be the best part of the wedding um but but ultimately it's just um you know, it's just get a couple of quotes. I tell people, check out other people's stuff. Make sure you're getting what you want that day. It is your day. So whether you get stuff from me or somebody else, I just want you to be happy. You know, so if you like somebody else's stuff better, great. No hard feelings. I'm glad you're getting exactly what you want because that's what it should be. I think people have a lot of undue 
pressure on, they put a lot of pressure on themselves for weddings, you know, the planning, everything, you know, it becomes a lot and it, it shouldn't be stressful for people. You know, it should be getting what you want to get easily. It shouldn't be a, an, a like a hard thing to do. But when people try to lobby you and, and sell you things, then it becomes a harder situation. You right, know? there's decision overload, right? You have to make a million decisions Absolutely. in a short period of time, and then there's everyone's pushing one direction or another. Of course. Wedding cake ordering 101. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just like I said, just make sure you're getting what you want, whether it's food, flowers, anything. Just get exactly what you want. It's your day. Everybody at the wedding has either had their day, will have their day, or on their second and third day, and they don't need your day. <laughs> I, it's the truth. They, they don't need your day. Regretting um, their day. Yeah, you know, but it's just... You find when, when people have strong opinions, it's either it didn't go the way they wanted it for them, or they didn't have this, or they feel like you should have more than you need. Um, so it's 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 a very, you know, it's a delicate balance. Have it's, you ever done a cake for a fifth or sixth day? Uh, probably. Did you tell them this cake? It's on the so questionnaire. Good that you actually want to stick with this? What wedding this, are you this on? This person this time? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, we like to think our cakes are, you know, they're part of the reason people stay together, but my, my favorite, like, like I said, my totally. favorite, my favorite thing is, is, you know, we, when somebody's unhappy, we help, but my favorite thing is, is we do their wedding, you know, and then we do their baby shower, and then we do their kid's first birthday, and then yeah. we do every, like, everything yeah. special they for... They stick with you yeah, for life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's... All I, those moments, that's I cool. prefer, I prefer that to one-time business. Hey, what's your favorite wedding flavor combination? Like cake to filling to icing? It's a good question. Um, I really like, so for wedding cakes, I tend to go a little bit lighter. Like I think the lemon blueberry hazelnuts, fantastic. Um, you know, I think uh, our Florida strawberry one or the strawberry shortcake is always good, but I, I consider that sort of a safe flavor. I'm a raspberry girl, so I love so like, vanilla. We do like cake we and do a, we do a raspberry white chocolate, which is good. Mm. But if you wanted to like sort of jazz it up, you could do a little bit of like champagne and chambord in there too, and like sort of jazz it up a touch. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of things you could do with it. So, do you remember your cake flavor, Jerry? Heck no. <laughs> I, I, I think we did Funfetti in it because my wife and I both have an affinity for Funfetti. We just thought that would be kind of cool, uh, but not not much beyond that. So, Nils, you've been on Food Network, what, twice now? Uh, I think it's I think we're doing four. Jesus. Four, four, four times, times yeah. on the Food Network. One of the shows is in sort of production stuff right now, so we don't know when or if it's going to air or whatever, but cool. that so, stuff's under the, you know. Tell us about that experience. What's it like? I mean... You know, TV, it looks all smooth, and it's like it's all happening, but I know when you're there, you, like, sit around all day, and there's lots of waiting, and then lots of stop and go. Give us, you know, what's that experience like? Uh, to put it in a sentence, hurry up and wait. Uh, <laughs> everything's hurry up and wait. But it, for me, I, I really like the experience. Um, if you're not really a pressure person and you don't like, you know, you don't like being under the gun, it's not really for you. What shows um, did you do? Uh, we did Christmas Cake Wars, Halloween Wars, Holiday Wars, and then the other one, like I said, is in production, so I don't really I have love a whole Halloween lot of that Wars. information. Yeah, that was a fun one. Um, you know, but if you don't like pressure stuff, it's not for you. It's very, um, even though nobody's watching it live, there's, you know, four or five cameras on your station. Um, you know, they're asking you, they're talking to you, you know, trying to understand what's going on so they can get good shots. So it's not only making everything, but it's managing your time so that they can actually get good video footage of it. You know, so they're they're filming seven other teams at the same time. So, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to it that people don't really get to see or understand on the backside. 
Um, so yeah. do, do you actually know what you're going to bake before you bake it? You know on the show when you're watching it, they're like, you have to think of what you're going to do with these seven ingredients right now. I think, I think it depends. <laughs> it depends on the show. Um, you know, I know that there are, because ultimately I think what you have to understand is that it's, it's a show nonetheless. So if they were to throw ingredients at you and you froze while they were filming, that doesn't really make for a good TV show. You know, it's, it's not all shows do it. Some do, some don't. I mean, it really depends on the actual show. So you sort of know, like. Not all of the times. Okay. Um, and if you do know, they will almost always throw something in there that you won't know for during the filming. Yeah. You know, and so it's, it's everybody there is a very talented person. They all have great skill sets. Everybody's good, you know. And so it's it's not whether someone's going to come up with stuff or not. It's more of is what do you want the show to feel like? How do you want it to run? Um, you know, what are we trying to get out of this is, is sort of a lot of where all of those determinations come from. Um, different production companies do different things. It just, you know, it's, it can be a little bit crazy. Some of it's chaotic, some of it's well-planned, but it's, uh, you know, they're... Tell us about the cake you made for Halloween Wars. Uh, so we did, um, it was like a Hitchhiker's, I think the theme was Hitchhiker's Worst Nightmare. Um... And basically what it was, uh, we ended up doing, so we were doing the back view of a truck, um, like you were in, like, so it was the driver and then the hitchhiker, you know, there were the silhouettes behind the giant clad, uh, sugar pane. And then the back of the truck was literally like a body chop shop. So there was like wow. arms, saws and all that. So it was, you know, a hitchhiker's <laughs> worst nightmare. I knew so, it would be good because the Halloween Wars cakes are always ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Unfortunately, in that one, we got eliminated first. They said the that the, the piece was too clean. Um, we wanted uh, so there, you know, we wanted to put some other stuff on there and things like that. But again, since it's like a kids sort of family show, it can't be too too gruesome. Uh, so we couldn't go as far as we wanted to. But mm. you know, it, it was it was great. I think really one of the benefits of these shows is to networking. You get to meet a lot of people that do this. You know, there aren't a ton of people in the area that do sugar or chocolate sculptures, and that's what they always cast me to do on the shows, um, just because there aren't a ton of people that do that stuff. Um, so it puts you in contact with some people that are really in the same sort of like you know, area or skill set as you. So Do you think yeah. you end up picking up some skills too, just from hanging out with those people? Like Absol- absolutely, absolutely. You know, you definitely pick up some skills and it's even more fun when, you know, somebody picks it up from you. Like if, you know, say some executive chef of some big hotels in, in Vegas, uh, you do something the episode before and then they take that technique and do it right after that. You know, that's it's flattering to a certain extent. That seems very specific. Who is that? Uh, you know, <laughs> if he hears it, he'll know. But uh, you know, um, but it's it's fun when that happens because you know we're we're you know Jacksonville, St. Augustine. We're very, you know, it's considered smaller. You know, as far as big cities go, and St. Augustine's a small city. But I, I think you can catch people up by surprise when you come out of places like that, and you can actually run or do better than. You know, um, it's, it's fun for me. You know, I, I like, I like sort of showing people, proving people wrong, you know, giving, giving people something to actually think about. Yeah. And it kind of puts you on the map in a way too. Absolutely. Right? Of course. Been on there, it gives you some credibility, I think. For sure. And, and it also puts our cities on our, you know, our area. Absolutely. On the yeah. Map. Cause, Cause people ask me like why I do the shows. Uh, first and foremost is, you know, I do them because you know, everybody that supported me or my kids, my grandma, my family, my brothers, you know, everybody that's 
part of the family, brother, sister, all the nieces, nephews, and everybody is, you know, they like to see that stuff. And I do it for them because they all sort of support me. Do you have me fun, and, though? Do you enjoy absolutely, them? Absolutely. Yeah. I do. Um, you know, but I do, it for, I do a lot of it for them because they've been backing me up and, and sticking with me the entire time. You know, hospitality and food is not an easy business. It's not, you know, it's, yeah. you have to figure out how to make it work for you. Um, and, you know, they stuck with it. And secondly, my wife's in charge of the marketing part of the business. And that's a... And she says you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so, but she, you know, and she'll tell me to go, but then she's got to look after both kids and run the business for like up to three weeks, you know, by herself. And I'm just like, you sure you want to do that? And, you know, she sort of, you know, manages and... The PR in me is, like, super giddy at anything like that. Yeah. Nils' yeah. wife is an incredible marketer. People yeah. don't, like... I, I really believe that so much of why you guys have been unbelievably successful is is because... And I'm sure you would say the same thing. is because of your wife. Yeah, she... Uh, it's... For us, is... It's sort of like a, a separation of duties is... I can focus on what I got to focus on because she's handling... All of the the communications, emails, marketing—you know, the front of the house, like all like new ideas and sort of steering. That's a good team, though. You need that. It is. I I feel like it, it can be hard to work with, you know, your significant other or your spouse. But I think if you if you do separate things, it's a lot. But I'm sure it helps. It's yeah. very different realms. Absolutely. And so for us, there's a little bit of crossover. But she's definitely um, probably the main reason we've been able to do so well in a short period of time. Um, she really you know, steers the sheep and keeps everybody in, in check. And she's you know, a girl boss. Hey, she, she's got it going on, man. She just runs the show. I just work there. <laughs> yeah. So as, you know, it works for me because she takes a lot of the stuff that I would have. Like if I had to sit on a computer for five minutes, I'd, I lose my mind. Like, I'm just like, I can't do this. I'd rather dig a hole, you know, just give me a shovel. You know? <laughs> so, but she, she makes sure that we're all on track and on pace and organized. So do you have a dream food network show? Uh, so I really want to do, I I, want to kind of want to do more individual stuff, but like best baker in America is one. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I, they actually, they asked me to do it this year, but I couldn't do it because I'd already done a show within a year period. So Uh. there's like some wait times and things like that, but it's, that's the one that I really want to do. You know, that's one that I would, I would move a lot of stuff to actually be able to do it. Is Um, that one like a multi-episode? It is, you know, it's, it's, it's much more of a skill set. Uh, it's similar to the Great British Baking Show. It is, yeah. except it's you know it's show. all you know very talented you know people. So if I'm going to compete, I really want to compete against people who are going to like do well. I don't want it to be sort of like a you know I want I want it to be. You're like, trying to play schmucks, right? You're yeah, I want I want it to be you know I want the best people you got to go against to see where we're at. You know, yeah. um, but that's my personal preference for it. That's awesome. That. Yeah, that would be super cool. That would be really fun. It's like I'm sort obsessed of the, with the Great British Baking Show. So my wife is too. I come home every day and she's just watching it over and over and over. I'm like, uh, okay, well, she baking for you at home? You know, we're not doing it. You're gonna get me in trouble. We're not. I'm just kidding. That's what we're for. That's what we're for. Yeah, 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 we got a new baby. She would love to probably. She, she's always willing to cook and and you know, I mean, she, she'll she'll give me crap, but. Because I'm always like, I, I'm so analytical. Like, everything I eat, I have to analyze. And it makes her crazy. But she's actually a pretty darn good cook. So. Uh, well, and if you have a new baby, then that's, you know, we that's, that's, that's a lot. It's, it's a heck of a it's lot. It's another full-time job. Yeah. At least, but congratulations. And then, so thank you. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. What's, uh, so you've had a lot of adventures. You have a lot of, a heck of a lot of success in a really short period of time. Um. What's the moment where you felt most acutely lost? 
to be honest, I would say, um, you know, we had started the business in, I think it was 2015, um, and, you know, we got everything going, and we started 170 square feet, and we jumped into the building across the street, um, 5,000 square feet. Funny story is, it came up for rent, you know, we called them, we're like, hey, we'll look at it tomorrow, and then they called us, and they're like, you know, or we'll look at it on Wednesday, or whatever it was, and they called us back, and they're like, hey, you need to look at it tomorrow, we got a bunch of people interested. They called us back five minutes later, we're like, hey, you gotta look at it first thing in the morning, and then they called us back, and they're like, hey, can you look at it, like, right now? So I was walking through the building with a flashlight. It was pitch black, like lights. There were no lights anywhere. I mean, it was sort of a really rough situation. Uh, but I sort of just, I said, yeah, you know, sight unseen, really. Um, it was so close to where we were that it was just a hop across the street. It was really close to the house. It was the space we needed. The rent was really reasonable. Um, but I just walked through with a flashlight and checked everything out in the dark. And I was like, sure, no problem. And uh, we just... Take it. Took it and ran, you know, you kind of had to... Sign on the dotted line. You went from how much, how much square footage did you have? You were inside Dose Coffee Shop, yep. inside a little, you know... Yeah, about 160, 160 square feet. 160 square feet. You went from 160 square feet to 5,000 square yep. feet. Absolutely. You know, it was, the issue we had, though, at the time was is the 160 square feet became not enough very quickly. Hmm. So it was just, hey, do we want to try to just get ahead of it and not have to move for a while or not have to move ever? Or do you want to run the risk of outgrowing another space and then having to relocate again? Which What, what takes up so much space? Uh, it's just ovens. I'm really big on workspace, so everybody gets their own eight-foot table. Everybody gets plenty of space. Pastry is one of those things that you need more space than you think. Because yeah. if I'm baking off, say, 20 sheets of chocolate cake, well, I have to lay out the sheet trays to get them filled, put them on speed racks. And if you're talking speed, putting one out at a time doing it is not, that's not reasonable. You know, but if I have three eight-foot tables, you can lay them all out. You put the batter in like a rolling thing and you can scoop and go. You know, it's, it, it, it was designed so that a few people could do a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times pastry is sort of an afterthought for you know, hotels or restaurants or things like that. It's very, it's not necessarily a focus. Um, and kind so, of just designate a small place correct. after the fact. Absolutely. Um, which I understand as well. Well, know? they're all, across the country, what we're seeing is restaurants cutting their pastry chef altogether. Yeah. And then either outsourcing it or doing some kind of halfway version for yep. people who don't really, aren't really bakers. Right. You know, their chefs are just throwing something together or the the one that's like, really gross to me is buying it in frozen, thawing it, putting a little sauce design on the yeah. top and serving it. Cool. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's funny. You, it's funny you mention that because, you know, five years, six years ago when I got out of the hotels, that was actually one of the main things was, you know, me and my wife were talking about, it, I'm like, they don't have pastry stuff. Everybody buys this stuff in. Even giant hotels that have pastry programs, they still buy stuff in. So originally the business was, originally the business was just for, uh, we were going to be wholesale and weddings. You know, we were going to do wholesale and weddings. Well, retail and weddings took off so much, the wholesale took a back seat. Now, we're get, starting to get back into wholesale. Um, but basically, you know, the way I talk about it to people is, is we're your five-star, five-diamond, fully functioning pastry, pastry chef team, and we're your team. We'll custom design you whatever you want. We just do it off-site. So, you know, and, and some restaurants can turn a lot some can't you know but i i think the funniest thing about it is 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 you know you mentioned that, that they're starting to go out and stuff like that but i've had you know i've had people come into the shop before and be like how do you monetize this like sometimes restaurants can't 
or savory food can't, they don't understand that if it's done well, it's very profitable and very good. And it's, why would you take an amazing meal and then serve something that's subpar afterwards? It's sad, man. Why would you do that? Like, it's 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 a whole meal, and the last thing you eat is always the thing you remember, for the most part. And so, that's why, for me, it's important that the sweet part or the dessert part has to be good, too. You know, because if you're going to spend all this time to make, you know, the most amazing you know, protein dish ever, and then, you know, open up a box and, you know, pop out like a $2 lava cake and say, here we go. There you go. <laughs> you know, it's there, like, oh, man. It's such a skinny margin business. So people don't realize, like, yeah. relative to other businesses, the restaurant industry has very has tiny margins oh, yeah. and, and small mistakes take big chunks out of your profit. Absolutely. That's, everyone's trying to figure out how do we get our costs down so that we can actually make money at this game. Yeah. Um, and you're constantly dealing with the oligarchs of the world who are doing lousy food, but they're able to buy at such a great, such a low cost for product that uh, they're tough to compete with on price. That's very true. Uh, that is that is a hard part of it. Um, I think that's where you have to get creative, find the right clientele. I think, you know, I think ultimately it's, with some of what we do is pastry. The nice thing is, is I have everything, you know, I have stuff that's 50 cents. I've got stuff that's, you know, our most expensive dessert piece you can buy is seven fifty, and that's still cheaper than something you're going to pay for at a normal restaurant. That's okay. Sure. Um, and so like a, it, it's, you know, it, it is a hard business, but I think if you can figure out how to make it work for you or work within the confines of what you're looking for, it can be a very rewarding business because ultimately, like I said, I could do anything if it was making people happy and desserts make people happy. It's just what it is. Agreed. Makes me happy. Right. Makes me very happy. Nothing like sweets to put a smile on your What's your favorite dessert? That changes uh, fairly fairly regularly. I think Um, if you're a dessert person, it changes for you. I also think just if you eat out a lot, if you're really into food, like people ask, what's I, the question I always get is, what's your favorite restaurant? Yeah, and I'm like, well, I can tell you, what my favorite restaurant is right this now. Week. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does change, and everybody does new things every once in a while, and sometimes somebody will hit on something that's a stroke of genius. But I mean, there was a period of time where I was eating a lot. Like it was like a two year period of time, but the tiramisu crunch was probably my favorite over that period oh, of time. Tiramisu is like one of my. Top it was. It was. It was so good. But I. My favorite cookie sandwich, I'd put it out for a little bit, and it never actually sold, which was odd to me, because I love it, but it's an oatmeal cookie. you know that cook. happens to a lot of chefs? I know, they, I know, right? you know, put their favorite thing on the menu, and people just look right past it. Well, it's not it's not necessarily what your favorite thing is. It's what people, you know, buy in a lot of instances, but, you know, it's an oatmeal cookie, a chocolate chip cookie, and then you use the oatmeal cream pie filling, and you swirl raspberry jam in it, and I love it. That sounds but good. But for some reason, I can't sell them to save my life. People don't get that one. <laughs> you know, the issue is... That, that's one of the biggest challenges that we see in, in cities our size. You know, so Jacksonville's a little over a million people in the metro area, that kind of thing. St. Augustine, obviously very small, but a lot of tourism, a lot of people yeah. who are used to traveling to big cities where you have these unique experiences. So you probably do have a little more freedom. But if you look at smaller cities, one of the biggest challenges is that so many of the people that live there have never been exposed to these really creative dishes or outside-the-box proteins or things like that. Absolutely. No different in what you're doing. If people have never seen it before, they have to take a leap. And if I'm walking in and I'm just buying one thing or two things, am True. I taking a leap or am I going with the oatmeal cream pie? Right. I know, uh, I know Old I love faithful. oatmeal cream of course. pie. Of course. And the thing there is, is I think you have to gain people's trust. Yes. So 
basically is we're at a point now where our clientele and consumers, you know, most of our people are local. Half of our customers come from Jacksonville every day, you know, so they come down to see us and, you know, we get everything ready. But is once they sort of know most of the things you're going to make are really tasty, then fantastic. You know, they're more than willing, they trust the specials, they're more than willing yeah. to try, but they're always going to get that oatmeal cream pie too. Huh. So, so you always have your like backup safety valve just in case you were a huge fan of it. But you know, if somebody doesn't truly doesn't like something and they tell us we, we're happy to yeah. fix it or switch it out or anything. You know, I think ultimately one of the things that doesn't happen a lot, and I'm sure you know this is, you know, if something goes really well, people don't really talk about it. If something wasn't their favorite, they feel like they got to let everybody know. It's crazy. You know, but and they never tell the people that matter. And, yeah. And ultimately all you have to do is call the place and they'll be like, Hey, you know, no big deal. You didn't like it. I'm happy to change it out. Because, you know, just because you don't like it, you know, it's fine. It's It may not be your flavors, but we can definitely get something you will like. I mean, it's very right. rare that it happens, but it does happen. And, you know, when people call you and tell you and they're, they're actually, you know, honest about their opinions and stuff, it, it helps because then we can get better because maybe something wasn't perfect that time, you know, but it's, 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 it's always best to tell the establishment first, you know, find out what happened because they may not know something happened. Hey, we, we battle this every day. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you do. It's just, you know, it's it's a hard business because hospitality, food in general is, you could do 400 people in a day and 399 are perfect and that one isn't perfect and it's the and, end of the world. And the person that eats that one is the person that's going to go on social yeah. media and tell everybody. It can, it can happen. And again, it's, it's just more of... That's true. I I think we have a buy. So I come from professional, from professional poker, right? Yeah. And everyone in professional poker thinks they – we have this term called running bad. They think that they're getting super unlucky. So everyone in professional poker thinks they're the most – or maybe not everyone. There's a small sliver that, like, get it. But most people, and definitely amateurs in poker, they always think that they just got super unlucky. When they lose? Like, yes. Like, that's what they blame or it on? Or in general, like, because <laughs> remember that, like, especially in tournament poker. So in tournament poker, a top-tier professional loses – 85% of the time, 85%, you're going to bust out, you're going to, you know, lose, get no money in 85% of the terms you play if you're a top tier professional, mm-hmm. the best guys in the world, you know, give or take 5%. So you could be as high as, you know, you could be cashing 20% or something yeah. like that. And you're going to win a really tiny percentage of tournaments, one to 3%, something like that, depending on field size. It's no different with this. So I chefs agree. always remember the one oh, guy sure. who was an idiot <laughs> who went off, who never told you, or even the worst is they're in the shop and they told you it was wonderful, and then they walked out and wrote the horrible review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one chefs remember, and they think they're always getting the raw end of things. Da, da, of course. Da, da. But you know what? When I go on Yelp, when I go on Google, when I go on these places, more times than not, the places that are really good get four plus stars. Absolutely. Which means oh, yeah. most people gave you a good review. You just don't remember those guys. Yeah, well, it's, much, it's, yeah. That's, that's where my wife Bailey comes in. She is extraordinary at service recovery. So that is something that is of the utmost importance to every restaurant business is their service recovery. Something goes wrong. It's not always that people want something for free or anything like that. Is they want they want to know that you they just are want to know you care. That you're actively you know? trying yeah. to make it better. And I think there's a lot of places that are really good at it. There are a lot of places that could use some improvement on it. But Bailey is exceptional at that. Like, she is very, very good at it. And it is, it is, it's a listening thing. You know, it's just listening to what they're saying 
and trying to fix the problem. Sometimes they just want you to reply to them. Absolutely. You know, it's just, it's, you know. They do. It is. I run my family's, day to day now, I run my family's business. We have a retail battery store. And I get the phone call when we have an irate customer to come over and speak with them. And more times than not, if I just walk in and say, sir, can you just tell me about what you're going through? I'd like to understand. Of course. And, And I give them time to say everything they have to say. And I acknowledge that. If I were in their situation, I would feel frustrated too. Of course. Most of the time, they calm down and we're able to solve the problem sure. without an issue. For sure. You know, and so it's just, it's, I think that's a, a really important part of the business. So, you know, but overall, it's overwhelmingly positive. Um, and, and everything, you know, everything can always get worked out. Okay. So before we dove into the podcast, we got a chance to talk to Nils. Said, you know, give us the credit. You know, we told him what the theme of the podcast. We want chefs to really tell stories. We don't want it to be yeah, just yeah. like question. He question, started question. telling us the story before we said, even dug. Do you want like food stories or like anything? <laughs> or like that time the SWAT busted into my house? Yeah. So we uh, we yeah. heard about the SWAT busting in the house. He said, "Please don't get me in trouble, with my wife." We talked him into allowing us Bailey, to ask sorry. about this story. Bailey, it's our fault, not his. He's uh, got to tell it. So, Nils, tell us the time that SWAT broke in. Well, so, <laughs> all right. So, ultimately, this is a story of why you should have never anybody sleeping on your couch. Um, <laughs> it's just a bad idea in general. But basically, Especially what, right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is back in, you know, 01 or 02, we're in college. And, you know, my, my roommate's friend was sleeping on the couch because he was sort of in between places. And for some odd reason, uh, I could not tell you why, but he like, was bringing some BB guns up to the apartment. And I have no idea. I did not know this was happening at the time. Nobody knew. Uh, He, his friend that was my roommate, didn't even know. Um, And ultimately (laughs) what had happened, I guess somebody in the parking lot had cut him off. And so he had pointed one at the back of their car. That person called the cops and said that we had a ton of guns in campus-affiliated housing. And next thing I know, you know, the front door's kicked open, and there's laser pointers everywhere, and they're yelling at us to get on the ground, and, and you know, like, they're hog-tying us outside in our boxers, and they're pulling us out one by one, and we're just like, oh my god, what is happening here? And, and ultimately, you know, <laughs> they found out that it was BB guns, and nothing ended up happening, and, you know, they were like, oh man, this is like a huge, like, misunderstanding and everything, but it was crazy, you know, it is crazy to have your house... You know, the apartment you're living in, the door kicked in, like, eight full-on SWAT people are running in, and, like... Yeah, with guns pointed Oh, out. yeah. I mean, all I saw, like, I walked out of my door while it was, like, because I'd heard the door, you know, I was like, what's going on? Because I was the first one out, and I was just like, what's going on? It's just late. All I see was, like, red, it's like in the movies, you know? It's like, oh, my wow. God. Like, it's crazy. What is happening? You know? And, and, and ultimately, you know, it was, it was all it was all fine. They understood. It was a huge misunderstanding, but I understand why they had to do what they did, because, you know, you can't have... I wonder how that conversation went, like... It was... So, it's just some BB guns. Well, you know, once they found it... right, they're screaming, they're hog-tied, I think think ultimately, once once they realized what it was and what had happened and everything, it all sort of, you know... Then they felt bad that they just... Yeah, yeah, I think there was, you know... Campus police were like, okay, we overreacted But, you know, ultimately, there, when they get a call like that, they get all jacked up and adrenaline going, and, you know, everybody's all amped up because you don't know if it's real or not and I think ultimately that's what people have to take into account with a lot of these situations when things happen is when they're called and told something they don't necessarily know exactly what's happening so they're preparing for you know they were preparing for us to be like in there like ready you know and it was just it was crazy it was insane it was (laughs) top 
three craziest things. It's probably number one. I mean, for sure. I was sure. gonna say top three. <laughs> I'd like to hear number one. Uh, it's it's yeah. gotta be right up there with number one. Um, you know, but it's just it, it's nuts. You know, it's like it's just one of those things that you know it's it feels really uh crazy when it's happening. Well, that's just absolutely wild. That's a what a crazy, what a crazy <laughs> you know, situation. When, when stuff like that happens, you know, it's it's you know, it makes it easy to sort of adjust brother things. It's amazing how slow it goes and how fast it actually happens. It's very much slow motion. Once it the feels adre- like a movie. Once, once the adrenaline starts pumping, oh, it's just man. like ding 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 ding, and you're just like, oh, it's cr- and then you have a headache afterwards. Yeah, you do. It's 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 very much adrenaline pumping. That is not. There's not very many instances where you're gonna get that sort of adrenaline going of it it's it's nuts well what a wild experience yeah that is wild definitely we're gonna we're gonna move into rapid fire okay so i got some questions you got to answer with the first thing that pops in your head you can't think about it too hard okay no problem you shouldn't have to think about it too hard are you ready yeah i'm ready all right favorite ingredient to cook with probably vanilla i think vanilla is really important in everything do you snore no Name a person you hate. Oh, man. <laughs> this is always good. That sounds like... Yeah, that's... Uh, so I think about it. Who do you I hate? I don't really hate a anybody. It could be a celebrity. It doesn't have to be somebody you actually know. I, I, all right. It, strongly dislike, I would say. It's the guy... Uh, <laughs> the red-headed guy from Breaking Bad. You know, the, the, the younger guy that was with... Jesse Pinkman, yeah? No, no, no not, not Pinkman. The guy who shot the kid. The colorblind over here. Trying yeah, to the guy who to... shot the kid. Uh, I don't remember later his name. Okay. You know, but whatever. I know who you're Anyways, talking about. Was, yeah, he was in some Black Mirror episodes yeah. and stuff. He just Cake or pie? Uh, pie in my cake. <laughs> <laughs> Most embarrassing place you farted? Oh, man. I don't, I don't even know. There's probably been a ton of them. <laughs> Airplanes are probably the worst. Pizza or tacos? Pizza. Guilty pleasure candy. Oh, I eat a lot of Heath bars and almond joys. Mm, beer or wine? Beer. Favorite fast food place? All of them. <laughs> uh, that's as it's yeah. That's that's sort of a, a, a something that I do like. But I I, I like uh, Wendy's is good. Wendy's. Ooh, okay. that Wendy's. That's it. I like their chicken nuggets. I for the four Dave's for four. The fo fo fo. That's a good one too. Oh, the chili's actually good. It's fo fo fo. <laughs> there you go. Say it, Jerry. Fo fo fo. Fo fo fo. That's good. There's a reason it's so successful. Tastes good. It is. They give the flavors right. Engineered to taste good. <laughs> that's that's our list of forever fire. Yeah. Yep, that's it. Nice. All right, All right guys. We we got a lot of fun. Nils, thanks for coming on. Yeah, Jerry. Nils, thank you. It's it's a blast. We're gonna eat the sugar Nils brought us. Oh. We'll have another guest for you next week. It'll be a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.